you, Lord, for the great gift of God, the power of the Holy Ghost. I thank you, Jesus, and I bless your holy name. I worship you, Lord. I bless you, Lord. We thank you for the Holy Ghost and fire. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Everybody said praise the Lord. All right, if you have a Bible this morning, let's go to the good word of the Lord. I'd like to turn your attention to the book of Revelation, chapter 10. And of course, it's very nice to see you here. Good to be in God's house. Let your heart be open to the Lord. And uh, I'm sure he'll deal with you and talk to you, encourage you and inspire you, motivate you in all the right directions. He's that kind of God. He's the healer and he is the Savior. Everybody said, praise the Lord. Lord. I I want to read to you from Revelation chapter 10. And I'd like for you to look with me at verse 7. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished, as he hath declared to his servants the prophets. And the voice which I heard from heaven spake unto me again, and said, Go, and take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel, which standeth upon the sea and upon the earth. And I went unto the angel, and said unto him, Give me the little book. And he said unto me, Take it, and eat it up, and it shall make thy belly bitter, and it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. And I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it up. And it was in my mouth sweet as honey. And as soon as I had eaten it, my belly was bitter. And everybody said, praise the Lord. I want to try to minister this morning on, give me the book. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. Give me the book. And I think if I was to put a, Subtitle, I would pick up on the word that is used there, and that would be, can you take it? Can you take it? The word of the Lord and how you respond to the word of the Lord is what's going to make the difference for you eternally. There are people who have responded what we would call favorably to the preaching of God's Word, to the subject matter of the Word of God. And when we say that, we're really saying God's mind, God's revealed mind to the church. There are people, one time somebody asked me about a certain subject and they expected me to, they had an expected answer in mind and I did not give them the answer that their mind was expecting and they were shocked. And I said, well, that's because you're not realizing that the Word of the Lord is first and foremost to and for the church, the body of Christ, and that that's a whole different way of thinking. Uh, There are are Jews, and there are Gentiles, and there is the church. That's another way of saying, really, there is the, the world, which is made up of Jews and Gentiles, and then there is the church, which is neither Jew nor Gentile, bond nor free, male or female. And everybody said amen. But it is those that are born again of water and of the Spirit, according to the Word of God. And uh, 
So I don't expect the world, it's always good when they give heed to anything and any little part of the Word of God or any big part of the Word of God and apply it, its principles and its teachings to their lives. That's always going to be a good and favorable thing for them. But by and large, you have to realize that you're talking about natural and you're talking about spiritual. And people who are natural or naturally minded, then they're not going to uh, fall in line with the Word of God from, shall we say, A to Z, from Alpha to Omega. They're not going to do that. And they're going to maintain many worldly ways and worldly natural ways of thinking. But uh, those that come out of the world, hence the word church, or those that are called out and have come into his marvelous light, then they are, they are going to be those that are going to become spiritually minded. They're going to get a great spiritual experience. I think I've told you before about a judge, uh, a supreme court of the land, and how that he came to Jesus and came to him by night. He was well aware of the peer pressure that was going to be headed his way and that people were going to lean on him and people were going to talk to him and people were going to say things to him. And so he decided to come by night and thought he would just uh, try to have a little quiet, under-the-radar meeting with Jesus Christ. And in so doing, uh, Jesus had to, giving him the truth and giving him the word of the Lord and not uh, in any way withholding anything but giving it right to him, giving him the book. You've come and you've said to me certain things. You agree that what I've got is real and that even you've used the plural that there is more than just you that recognizes what's going on here. And so he, he made it clear. He never pulled any punches. He gave him the book. In other words, Jesus was figuring it pretty plain here that you've come to me and so you, you know who I am. I'm the word of God so you must want Give me the book. Give me the word. And so he did and told him, of course, that he must be born again of water and of the Spirit or you cannot see or enter into the kingdom of God. And that's putting a couple of verses together, of course. And so as he went on to teach him and get him uh, to get out of the, the natural way, the natural mind of thinking and try to nudge him into the spiritual frame of mind. And then later on in the chapter, he began to tell this individual that you're here you are a master in Israel. You're somebody that is a little higher up the ladder, shall we say, educationally and intellectually. And yet he said, uh, not that those are requirements, just happen to be this man's case. And he said, uh, he said, and yet you don't understand the things that I'm saying to you. He said, if I speak to you basically of these ABCs and you don't get it, he said, then how am I going to talk to you about the more advanced XYZs of things that you might be desirous to learn? But if we can't get the beginning steps right, how are we going to go on to those higher, more advanced and more strenuous steps? You have read in the Bible where Jesus said certain things and, and, um, because, and it was described as hard sayings and that there were those that turned away and went away from him. This is where Jesus came to the point and he simply said, uh, he said, well, will you also leave me? As he looked at this core group and they said, uh, where in the world are we going to go? Who you have, you're the one with the words to eternal life. So where are we going to go? But you know, we've got a problem there in our world today because we're almost 2,000 years down the road. And what I mean, it's a problem for people because people get the wrong 
spirit and the wrong attitude, and that is that they lift up their eyes and they feel like everything is the same and anywhere is okay, and, and not realizing that such is not the case. And so that's why they, in their day, here's Jesus, and he is the Christ, and he's there in the days of his flesh, and the church is not yet birthed, but it's about to be. And from there, the church is going to be commissioned and sent forth into all the world and to preach the gospel. But the problem being that people can get, the enemy can take that and can deceive people and make them think that it doesn't matter where I go to church or who I listen to, that it's all going to be the same. And I'm going to tell you plain and simple, it's not all the same. And the devil can absolutely take something good. You know the word pervert? He can pervert. He can take something good and get people to use it for something that's not so good. And you've got to understand, you've got to start thinking spiritually. You've got to learn to take it. You've got to take the book. And that's what the writer said and inspired here in the book of Revelation and told him, you take the book. You want the book, then you take the book. You've got to learn to get the right appetite and you've got to have the right reaction. I told you about a woman in the Bible that came to Jesus and had a problem and Jesus said, I don't have, basically he said, I don't have time to deal with you. He's, in other words, you're a dog. You're not of the children of the house of Israel. She never batted an eye. She didn't file a lawsuit. She didn't run down the block and run her mouth to somebody about what all Jesus said. He was so mean to me. Look how he talked to me. Boy, that's a hard man. He didn't do that. She didn't do that. She simply said, truth, Lord. Truth. And she said, but you know what? She knew, it's not chapter and verse, but the Bible certainly teaches it in its teachings. She got handed lemons, and she made lemonade. She got handed, you're a dog. And she said, I'll take the crumbs and come under the table. That's what the dog does. Give me the crumbs. And guess who went away with the miracle? Woo! The woman went away with the miracle. That's the bottom line. She got what her need was met. That's the bottom line. It wasn't about getting my feathers up or my quills like a porcupine out. It wasn't about me having my feelings on my sleeve. If that's the case, then that's the problem. It's not the fact that he called you a dog or spoke to you in an affirmative and, and solid way, uh, an authoritative way. That's not it. It's that in your heart, you already had something going on. But that woman's heart had something going on all right. That woman's heart said, I need an answer here. I need a healing here. I need my need man. It's not about my little personal feelings or my excuses. If you read the Bible, you'll find out that Jesus Christ hates excuses. They make him angry. And I promise you, I told somebody uh, yesterday, I said, uh, I said, uh, you know, there's uh, certain things that I can't even remember how to start off, but I wound up telling them I was waiting for that sermon where it said, uh, uh, well, I know what I said. I said, sinners in Zion. I quoted the scripture about sinners in Zion, the church. And then I said, I said I'm waiting for that, uh, the Lord to come through with that sinners in the hands of an angry God. <laughs> you can get God angry. You can stir him up in such a way, in a manner that uh, Job said he runneth upon me like a giant. You don't want to do that. You want to humble yourself. And this woman, she just took it. You know, Jesus gave her one of his better punches, and she just took it. It never, it didn't knock her down. It didn't knock her out. I imagine she just kind of swayed with it a little bit, and she said, truth, Lord. But she said, even the dogs get the crumbs that come on 
master's children's table. And oh man, he, you talking about getting his attention and proving something out in her heart. And all of a sudden that the children and the not the children didn't matter one bit. He simply let her know everything's done. Everything's taken care of. You can go on your way rejoicing. And she got home and everything was good. Every need was met. I want you to know you've got to check your attitude. You've got to go into your motives here. And how you respond to the word of the Lord is what's going to make all the difference. Not just here, but most especially in the world to come. And I hope that, I hope that we're keeping the world to come within the framework of our vision here. I hope that we won't let that get lost in the busyness of life and the short term of what somebody's flesh wants, that we'll keep the big picture in mind. And this is when Jesus Christ is going to look at you and he's going to see how you're going to respond to the word of the Lord, how that you're going to submit yourself to him. And... Uh, one place in the Old Testament, for an example, there was a, a young king, young person, not particularly considered old in years. And uh, this king, he, uh, they brought to him and they, they found, it wasn't it sad that they found the book of the word of the Lord. That's highly indicative of they lost it. Had a lot of dust on it. Where'd that, where'd that come from? Man, we found it buried down way under somewhere. But look, and they came running to the king, young, young person. And they said, man, look at here. Look at the word of the Lord. And he began to rend his garments because he realized that they had not been doing things. The more they read, the more he realized, the more he got convicted, the more he got shook up. He realized we haven't been doing things right. They, this hasn't been right. Look at the chapter and verse here. Look at the words of the prophets that the Spirit of the Lord has given to us. And we, we've been going along here rather ignorantly and, and, uh, and maybe willingly ignorant, as a matter of fact. Kind of like stopping up the ears and closing up the eyes and being preoccupied with the busyness of life to where we begin to neglect and to the point that we, it got so uh, dull in our mind. Have you ever read that? You're dull of hearing. It got, and, and that's where Paul said, I can't speak to you in a certain way because, because of that, because you're yet men, you're yet carnal, and, and you're not getting spiritual here, so you're limiting yourself, kind of like putting your hand to the plow and looking back. We're not able to make any forward motion here. And they were in a, in a very stalled place. Isn't that what happened to those when the Lord of the harvest said, uh, why don't you go out and, and start laboring here? He said, instead of hanging out in the, in, the, in the marketplace idle. And what that really translates to is that they weren't about God. They weren't thinking about God. They weren't involved with God. They weren't talking about God. They weren't with the program and with the plan. They weren't in stepping and ranking and harmony. No, they were just juking and jiving in the marketplace. And everything that they had to do with was natural things. And all the while, we got a harvest over here. We got, we got something to reap here. I told somebody, I said, I remember that a uh, certain family many years ago, they, uh, they came to me for help, and I knew them of a long time ago, and everything was done ethically and properly, and uh, I contacted their present pastor and, uh, to discuss with them these people wanting to come up here. And so, uh, and that is the proper way to do things, by the way. And so I, uh, the scriptural way, the uh, 
what we call the ethical way or the professional way. And so I, I uh, these people started coming, and uh, they had a, a young lady, and then they had two sons. And the young lady uh, had been out to another state, and she came home. And uh, next thing I know, she writes me a letter. And she starts telling me what a good idea it would be if all the ladies would get involved with a program that you could buy a dish towel and you could send that dish towel to another sister in the church and then she could add a dish towel to it and send two to somebody else and then that one could make three and send them. Yeah, I, that's how I was looking. You know, and I, and I, uh, I, I, I was like, it was like Grandma Corinthian's suit right there. It, it was like a red flag right in front of the bull. I went nuts. I, I said, dish towels, dish towels. You want us to, to mail dish towels around. You want everybody to add to dish towels. And so I, I, I took the letter, <laughs> and I wrote a letter with the letter. And I said, this has got to be one of the most carnal things that I've ever read. I said that you want to tie up people's minds, hearts, and thinking with dish towels. I said, there is a lost and a dying world all around us. People are going to hell. Our commission is to reap this harvest. And I said, I'll tell you, with your considerable intelligence and education, why don't you go enroll in Bible school or something and get, put your time to something constructive and get qualified to go on the mission field or do something for God? Because this house ain't it. How relaxed you can get. How carnal your mind can get. How preoccupied. And, and, and things that are so unimportant, suddenly they become important. And somebody is about that. Might remind you a little bit of, of Martha. And she was cumbered about with many things. Troubled about so many things. And standing in front of her. And she says to him, if, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. This wouldn't be happening. And Jesus said, he'll rise again. And she said, well, I know he will at the resurrection. And then it was like, pow, pow. Have I got your attention? I am the resurrection. If, like he told one woman, if only you knew who you were talking to. He said, you'd start asking. And your questions would be the right kind of asking. They wouldn't be foolish and unlearned questions with due gender strife, the Bible said. It wouldn't be vain jangling and swerving left and right, getting off the straight and the narrow to the broad that leads to destruction. Oh, no, you'd be asking me the right questions. Give me this water, this Holy Ghost, and I never thirst again. You wouldn't be asking for carnal things that destroy and, and put you in the wrong place, and you wouldn't be so fearful about so many things that don't matter. He said, you learn to fear him. And he said, I tell you, that's who you need to fear. That after you're dead, that can put you in hell. I'd rather be with him that can put me in heaven. And that starts here, and that starts now. Right here, right now. That's not something you procrastinate. That's not something you push away. 
That's not something that you want to get preoccupied about and busy about so many things in this life and that things that are insignificant suddenly become huge and important to you and they don't matter. They don't amount to an anthill, much less anything else. You've got to get your mind on the book. Get the book. Take the book. Reach for the book. Give me the book. And when you get that book, you've got to be able to take it. Paul was, uh, it was written about Paul in uh, things that he said that were hard to be understood. According to the wisdom that was given unto him. It was not a slight, it was a recommendation. It was a, this is good stuff and you're going to have to really sharpen up, he was saying. Peter was saying it to Paul actually. And he was trying to make people aware that he was putting his recommendation to it. It's important that you get into the spirit and get a spiritual mind. We're not supposed to be any longer of the world. So we're not judging things and doing things according to the standards of the world. We're not looking at things. This is not about getting rich. This is, a, if you want to get rich, that's what I'm telling you then. This is what? The word of the Lord. Take the book. Let the word of God dwell in your heart richly. That's what you want to be rich in. You want the true riches. You want the things of God. And this young king got stirred up when he heard the word of the Lord that for so long they'd gotten so dull. You know, you can hear lots of words. But 1 Corinthians told you about them having significance and likened it unto a trumpet and that if the trumpet gives you an uncertain sound then who's going to prepare to battle because there was certain sound that was played on the trumpet that alerted all of Israel that there was an enemy coming get ready gird up your loins get your sword get your spear get your shield put your helmets on let's go Take, and have you not read in the Bible where it said, take unto you the whole armor of God? How are you receiving the word of God? How, didn't it say in another place to receive with meekness? Now that's not talking about being limpy, okay? Not talking about that. Talking about yielding to authority. Receive with meekness. That you don't get your hackles up. You ever seen a dog, all that hair stands up on his back, they call it hackles. You, you don't want to get your hackles up. You don't, I'm saying you don't want to get all your feelings out on your, on your sleeve. You don't want to get all upset. That's just your flesh. That's a fleshly reaction. You want to have a spiritual reaction. What a difference when Josiah, when the word of the Lord was found and brought to him, his response was of humility and repentance and let's start doing it right. Let's amend our way. Everybody said, praise the, Lord. praise the Lord. Let's amend our ways. What does that mean? That means I need, everybody said, praise the Lord. Praise everybody Lord. said, right here, thank you. These handsome young men do not mean to distract you on purpose. Amend your ways means that you alter your way of doing God is right. His word is right. Okay? It's us that have to amend our ways. That means we have to remove the false 
and the errors of our ways. Is it not written, do not err, my beloved? Don't do that. Don't make an error. Don't fall from your own, shall I say, God-given steadfastness and find yourself led away with the error of the wicked. You know, if somebody gets a rebellious spirit, it doesn't mean you have to get one. Somebody gets a bad attitude, it doesn't mean you have to get one. Somebody goes in the wrong direction for the wrong reason and the wrong motivation, it doesn't mean you have to do that. It is written, be not partakers of other men's sins, other people's faults. You amend your ways. You amend your ways. And it's not going to do any good to point the finger and say, well, what about this one or what about that one? Somebody tried that one time. The Lord said, well, if I want allow certain things, said, what is that to you? It doesn't have a thing to do with you. Okay. Everybody said, praise the Lord. Hey, you came here this morning for the book, didn't you? You want to take the book out of the messenger's hand? Can you take it? You want that book? You want that word? You want that chapter verse? Can you take when the Lord says, thou shalt not? When he absolutely tells you that that's a no, can you take that? Can you apply that to yourself, or do you just watershed that off? That's for somebody else. He's not talking to me. That's for somebody else. Going somewhere else. I tell you that's where that came from. Always pointing to somebody else. Always sending it somewhere else. But you've got to come back to what we call personal responsibility. And you've got to become a responsible citizen of heaven. If you're going to come into the body of Christ, or if you claim you come into the body of Christ by being baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, then you've got to be, grow up in grace and knowledge and become a responsible citizen. And you, you, you think of that child. I've known of children that all they ask for is, um, is soda. They've had Pepsi or something from the bottle. That's give me the bottle. Give me the give me the Pepsi. They you give them milk and they throw it away. They want the bottle that's got the Pepsi in it. Okay, doesn't matter what it does to their teeth and their whole system. They want that. They want that, and that's what they grow up on. And when the bottle's gone, then they've got another bottle or a can of it. Okay, so I'm saying to you that you've got to tell yourself when I come into the body of Christ then inside of me, I'm supposed to desire the sincere milk of the Word. I'm supposed to ask for the Word. I should want the Word. I don't want the Word just to go in one ear and out the other. I want to take the book. I want to take the nourishment of the book. I want it to dwell in my heart richly. And everybody said amen. amen. Come on, give the Lord a big hand. John the Revelator went to the messenger and he said, give me the book. I've received instruction here to get the book. Give me the book. Told the messenger, I want the book. Okay? You come to Jesus and you start asking him for stuff, you better be ready for the answer. He's not going to give you what your flesh wants. He's going to give you what's best for your spiritual life and, you, and your overall spiritual experience in living for him and in the world to come. Not only in this world where he promised you if you let go of this and you let go of that and you give up this and you walk away from that. He said, I'm going to give you a manifold more. That means a whole bunch more. Okay? In this life. And he said, and in the life to come, the world to come, I'm going to give you everlasting life. 
So it's a great deal, but it's your reaction. Josiah was hit with the word of the Lord, and he was the king, and, he, and, and at that he was young and inexperienced, and yet he didn't show himself proud. He didn't boast himself uh, like so many. Uh, what did it say? Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, fall into the condemnation of the devil. You know, some people can, can uh, just promote themselves and push themselves up and and uh, pronounce words in a certain way and have certain um, uh, body language and do certain things that people just swoon about it, you know. And they can say all kinds of melodious words and phrases and terms. But, you know, there was orators in the Bible too. But the Apostle Paul stood before them all and he began to say, I'm so glad to get to talk to you today. Oh, yes, he was because I want to tell you the truth. I told one preacher not too long ago, I said, I'd like to get to talk to them. I said, boy, I'd like to show them the book. I'd like to tell them the truth. I'd like to lay it out there plain and simple like it really is and not hidden behind all of your little uh, smarmy ways. What did it say? Uh, fair words and smooth speeches. Uh, I don't want that. I want the book. The book says it to me like it is. The book is no respect or person. The book is impartial. The book treats everybody the same. Rich or poor, bond or free, male or female. There is no kind of discrimination. Any race, any country, any culture. It's the word of the Lord the same to everybody. You must be born again. Water and of the Spirit. Or you cannot see or enter. Jesus said, I'm the door. You got to come through me. And when, you, and when you ask for it, you better know what you're asking for. You better know what you're praying for. You better know who you're talking to. And, and not only that, but you might want to know who you're talking to so that you'll have the proper level of respect to the office. And everybody said amen. amen. Everybody said praise the, praise the Lord. You heard about the guy that uh, he wasn't being disrespectful to the office. He just merely expressed what he wanted, what he felt he needed. He said, how about lowering my taxes? Said the vice president, stomped away from him, turned around and cussed at him and called him a, a, a name. And, and they put him on the radio, put it in the newspapers, and uh, he said, you know, I'm just a hot dog vendor. He said, I'm just, I was just doing my job, and he said, and I just simply said, you know, how about lowering my taxes? And answer to, you know, what can I do for you? How about lowering my taxes? <laughs> he got asked a question, gave an honest answer, and he got, he got yelled at for it. And he got, you know, well, you know, I got to tell you the truth now. I, I'm, I'm, I, don't, I don't have to worry about my God. I, don't, I, don't, I can ask him anything. I can bring it to him. But God knows I better bring it in the right spirit. I better bring it in the right attitude, and I better have the right motive. Blessed are the pure in heart. My motivation right? Why am I doing this? What's behind this? Oh, yeah. Give me the book. Give me the book. It's, the word of the Lord is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it, it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intent of the heart. Oh, yeah. It gets down to the joints. You know, those places that get a little creaky. You know, you get up one day and felt fine and all of a sudden you take a step and that ankle what just happened in that ankle you know or you or you wake up and stretch and you get a cramp you're suddenly moaning and groaning you know oh yeah it's right down to the joints and the marrow 
So when you come to the, to the church and you are then asking for the word of the Lord, you want the chapter and verse. You want the messenger to give you the book. Then you better be ready to take the book and apply the book to your life. Oh, that hurt. Oh, my knee. Oh, well, there's going to be some of that. Because it's going to be like, oh, it tastes, mm, mm, mm. It ain't like honey. Oh, 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 mm, mm. My, bitter in my belly. Feel like I just ate a Big Mac. Did I say that? I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't be cussing your, your fast food, huh? <laughs> Everybody said praise the Lord. Young man told me, he said, uh, he said, lately, he said, I've been getting headaches and my vision is blurred, and, and he said, I'm not feeling good. And, of course, it, that's when he said, you know, I had three slushies, and then I had a whole bunch of Reese cups, and you don't feel good? Duh. I wonder why not. <laughs> you talk about a sugar rush. Brother, broke all the rushing records right then. Amen. Everybody said praise the Lord. That good word of the Lord is balanced. There's going to be a lot of sweetness to that. Oh, we love the sweetness. We love that. Jesus is going to answer my prayer. You know, we love all the sweetness. You know, He's going to bless me. He's, he gave me a job. He gave me life. He gave me strength. He gave me health. I stepped out of my car like one woman did and had just got done praying and said, God, I want to give my tithe. And I love to give my tithe, but I don't have a job right now. Stepped out of the car and stepped on $400 in cash. Looked around. <laughs> Nobody here. Thank you, Lord. Oh, that was sweet. How sweet. And you know, the devil came along and said, well, you don't have to give tithe on that. You found it. Oh, yeah, but the preacher said, you got to give tithe on that. Oh, it's so bitter in my belly. Oh, you hit me right in the solar plexus. That word of the Lord will hit you right in the solar plexus. That word of the Lord not going to play around. And you, you should want that. You want, should want a balanced diet. You know? Everybody said praise the Lord. Everybody said hallelujah. I want to be saved. You do? Yes. And that's all you get. That's pretty sad, isn't it? All you get is a handshake. But the word of the Lord will tell you to be born again of water and the Spirit. It won't tell you to take Christ as your personal Savior. It won't tell you to accept him as your personal Savior. That's not in the Bible. Okay, it's not going to tell you that. It's not going to tell you to get a handshake. But it's going to tell you you must be, and it's going to say you must be born again of water and of the Spirit. It's going to tell you authoritatively. And they didn't like him being so authoritative. You know the devil hates authority. It's kind of like when the pastor said, casting out devils in the name of the Lord, and somebody said, whoops, here I go. Yeah, Lord. Amen. Well, let me just say that the word of the Lord is authoritative. Amen. Amen. And, 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 you know, Satan, who was Lucifer, found that out. It wasn't enough. You should read the description sometime, subject matter, of Satan. Read pre-Satan when he was Lucifer, when he was the son of the morning, when he guarded the presence of the Lord as an archangel. When he was among the most, if not the most beautiful angels. And that he, uh, 
his, he was involved with the music and his tabrets and his pipes and his harps and everything that was given unto him. And you should read where it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. You know, if you get appointed to be the doorkeeper in the house of the Lord, that should be enough. Because at least I'm there. And the doorkeeper's not going to be a whit behind anybody else when it comes time to go to heaven. Not going to be a split second behind coming out of that grave or leaving this, this planet and this body. The doorkeeper, the latrine or bathroom cleaner, both Sister Mary, Sister Alice, Sister Glory out here doing the vacuum cha-cha, you know, and, uh, you know, going after it. And that trumpet's going to sound... They're not going to go any split second behind somebody else doing something else. Oh, no, we're going to be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. Woo, yeah, Lord. How great. Oh, we love those sweet things. Preach sweet to me, preacher. I told you about going down the side aisle and, the, and the, had that look, you know, and some people get some real looks. They get some consternation about them. Or is that constipation? They just, you know, got that. Well, I guess the pastor came down the side aisle and he had that look on him and his wife grabbed his coat when he was passing by and she said, now, honey, say something sweet. So he got up to the pulpit and he said, sugar! And then he preached. Got the sweet out of the way. He went after it. <laughs> well, you know, some people only like the sweet. That's all they like. And they get out of balance. You know, don't you love it when they say, love, 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 love. I think some people's definition of love is very carnal and very natural. And uh, I, I am glad when we are like Jesus. Our young men, you know, what the Bible say? Jesus loves them all. But I do know that that's not a carnal phrase or definition. That we're talking about the love of God, which is the Holy Ghost. Okay? We're not talking about the carnality of training up young men to produce babies before they get married and or any type of behavior like that, shall we say, the privileges of a husband without being a husband. And a lot of times that happens because we have, in this world, we have young ladies, and I use that term lightly at this moment, uh, that allow boys to have the privileges of a husband without waiting till they become a husband. And this makes for an awful lot of difficulty in our world. And people make trouble for themselves because they listen to the wrong voice and they go in the wrong direction. And lots of people want to claim they're living for God while they're not married and making babies. Amazing. Quite the contradiction, wouldn't you say? Let's, let's, now, if you come to God in that shape, in that case, okay, that's a whole different ballgame because judgment begins at the house of the Lord. Okay. I understand that, and I hope you understand that. But I'm talking about people that's claiming to be and what their activities are, what they're involved with, where they're going, what they're pursuing, what their, their goal is, you know. And you've got to, you, this book is going to tell you some things. This, what did it say about um, Herod? Herod uh, has a big party, has, invites all of his big cronies and his big businessmen and associates and everybody's got their suit on. Everybody's strutting around. 
They're having a big party. And, and, and old Herod is really feeling his pride. And in comes some little whippersnapper of a girl, and she starts dancing. And she wasn't doing in the Holy Ghost dance. And there's a big difference, okay? You know, some people think that they can show their, bust their moves and try to lay that off on the Holy Ghost. And that ain't so, okay? Thank you. So, uh, you know, a Holy Ghost dance does not evoke fleshly, uh, sinful feelings from onlookers. It doesn't do that, okay? But people who are busting their moves in the flesh now, you know, that's going to bring out the whole kind of wrong spirit there. And I can prove that, and I don't want to lose my point, but uh, David, when he played his harp, the devil left. And that's why Saul called for him. He said, I got a bad spirit on me. I need, I need some church around here. Bring me David. Bring me the spiritual man. And let him play. He has a relationship with God. Let him play. And the devil would flee. You can, you can do things that will bring the devil to the situation. All right? And the book will teach you that. The Word of God will teach you. And he chooses to teach you through the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. That's what he does. God has a system, and the governments and the helps. God has a system to distribute the word of the Lord and get it out there. So this, uh, the reaction that you have, the way that you respond to the word of the Lord. Here we have Herod, and he's got the wrong kind of show going on. And boy, some people have nothing but a show. Do you hear me? Nothing but a show. And he and his folks with him, they were all about the show. They loved the show. Nothing was being said that had any weight or any gravity. Nothing was nutritious in there. It was just all about the show. Way out of balance here. Lacking in the true depth of the Word of God. Didn't have that certain sound. Wasn't sending forth that warning to get that flesh under subjection. And so when she got done, he looked at all his buddies and he said, I really enjoyed that. He said, I will give to you, young lady, up to the half of my kingdom. Just tell me what you want. Well, she didn't know what to do, so she ran and got her Jezebel mama. Now, why was mama in a bad spirit? Why was mama in a snit? Why was mama, what was going on? What was motivating mama to send that girl back and say, I want the preacher's head? Go after, you know, the devil's always going to go after the preacher's head. He's always going to go after the authority because that's the only thing that the devil fears is the genuine authority of Almighty God. And he invests that in his church and through the body of Christ, particularly in the ministry. And so she goes back and Mama says, go tell him you want the head of John the Baptizer. That's what we want. All the things, the half of his kingdom. Ferrari, Lamborghini, Mercedes, you know, a year's free at McDonald's. Boy, the things she could have asked for. My, 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 my. 
John wrapped his head. What do I want that for? You can eat that? Okay. But she went out there. Now, why did Mama want John the Baptizer's head? Maybe it would be because John the Baptizer gave her the book. And she didn't like that. She didn't like it when John the Baptizer answered the king's question. Old, old Mr. Herod, when Herod said, I want to marry my brother's wife. I want to marry my sister-in-law. I want to divorce my wife. So some of them don't even bother doing that, right? You have the wife, and then you have the other one. And it's very costly because then you have to have a freak phone. You've got to have a phone for the wife and a phone for the mistress. It gets expensive. And then you've got to keep it all straight. And it's kind of hard to do because it's already crooked to begin with. So, so um, you know, old, uh, old uh, Herod, that's what he wanted to do. And he said, so, preacher, what do you think? Is that all right? Now, you see, some preachers wouldn't say anything because they'd be, they'd be looking at what they might lose. That's the king. That dude's got a lot of gold in the vault. I don't know if I want to cross him. I better just, I better, I better just, I better just shake his hand. I'll just shake his hand. I'll just smile. But see, John the baptizer, he come out of the rough side of the mountain. He come out of the desert. He, he's rough. He's a hard, rough. He come out. He didn't play. You know, he didn't play. He came out and he said, it's not right what you're talking about doing. And Herod said, no. He said, no. How many times have you read in the Bible about the yes men who would, who would tell the leader whatever they wanted to hear? But then God would have a man that without fear or without favor. Daniel's an example, of course. The king promised him all kinds of goodies and riches and Burger Kings and McDonald's and Popeyes and everything. Just tell me what it says. And Daniel looking at that, you want me to tell you what that says, huh? You don't say happy birthday. It may be your birthday day and you may be having a big old drunken orgy going on here, but it don't say happy birthday. He said, you sure you want me to give you the book? You can take it? He said, yeah, I can do it. He said, well, you keep all your gifts. I don't want your gifts, okay? That's, that's just flattery. That's not going to work. It's going to corrupt me. I don't want it. And if you want an example of that, you go read about Balak. Because old Balak, he, he, every once in a while, the Lord would use him. But he, he got to being fleshly with it. He got to being carnal with it. He got too much in the flesh and too far out of the spirit. And when they called for him to come and curse Israel, come curse somebody that's involved with the work of God here. Come betray them. Come curse them. Come, come against them. I'll give you a whole bunch of money. I'll open doors for you. <laughs> oh, he's, I'm going to go get my my donkey and I'm going to go. And he said, uh, the Lord 
What do you think, Lord? The Lord said, don't go. Oh, well, I'll sleep on it. We'll see if I think different tomorrow. He goes for him, he said, I'm going to go. Like the man that said he was going to uh, do a fleece about leaving the church. He said, I'm going to put a fleece before the Lord. I'm going to pray. I'm going to put a fleece before the Lord. So one day he <clears throat> came to the restaurant and he sat down next to his son. And his son said, so, did you, did you get an answer to your fleece? He said, no, but I'm going anyway. Well, that's what, that's what this guy did. He said, he said uh, I want to go. And the Lord told him again, don't go. He came back again. He said, I want to go. And so finally the Lord said, okay, you go ahead and go. He said, but don't you say anything but what I put in your mouth. You know the Lord knows how to keep things in control. He knows how to work it out. And so he, uh, when it came time to open his mouth and the, and the agitator saying, come on and cuss them for me. Come on, I want to whip them. I want to be the victor. I want everything to be mine. Come on. And he opened his mouth and blessing after blessing came out. <laughs> blessing the people of God. And after two or three times, the guy said, man, I gave you all that money and look what you said. You didn't do what I wanted you to do. But you know the Bible, you know that you watch and the Bible will teach you. And it will teach you that, oh, there was a way around it. And remember, the people that go around are thieves and robbers. Not, they're not is as, they is. Okay? And so, uh, so uh, you know, God doesn't hit at it. He hits it. And so the, uh, the, the Lord the Bible teaches in the word of the Lord that the, the guy said, uh, all right. He said, I, I can't open my mouth here and prophesy forth and do anything but give a blessing. Okay, that's all I can do. He said, but what I can do, he said, I can teach you how to trip them up. I, I can teach you a little something. I can show you, I can give you, show you a chink in the armor. I like the Trojan horse. I can show you a little backdoor approach here. And you can cause them to stumble. And that's where it is described of this so-called prophet who had the preacher in his life because when he grabbed that donkey, that beast of burden, and he, I'm going to go, and he got on that donkey, he's heading down the road in a narrow place. And, you know, on this side it's way down there to the bottom. And on this side, it's a sheer wall. And, and the donkey's going along. Okay, you're hitting me, you're taking me. I'm really taking me where I don't want to go. I don't like this situation. And I don't like what you're doing. And they're going along, and all of a sudden, the donkey goes over to the right. Bam. And that prophet, man, you smashed my leg. What are you doing? He takes his breath. Bam, he hits that. Oh, oh. Old donkey starts braying, you know. Yeah. You know, here we go. A little further down the road. He does it again. Boy, he's in bam, bam, bam. He's really getting upset now. And then he got the shock of his life. You know, sometimes people, preachers in particular, tell them myself, they will use all kinds of psychology for your benefit. They will try every which way look like to not offend you and to try to keep you apart and keep you in line and keep you on the straight and narrow, keep you going forward. But you know, after a while, 
that donkey, he got to seeing something. And it was getting closer and bigger and clearer. We're headed towards disaster. And it ain't just your hide that's at stake. It's mine too. <laughs> and for about the third time he whooped that donkey, that donkey opened his mouth. And he said, hey, I'm delivering you here. Do you see what I see? And by that time he saw it. He saw that great big angel with that great big sword, sharper than any two-edged sword. He saw the word of the Lord. He saw the judgment of God. He saw what was coming. You know, you're not in this for, say, 40 years. But what, after a while, you learn the predictability of certain things. You learn when you tell somebody it ain't going to work, it ain't going to work. At least it ain't going to work like you think it is. And see, the old, he thought he had it all figured out. He was going to run after the wages of unrighteousness, Jude said. Old Balaam, going to run after the wages of unrighteousness. Old Balak waving the money. And here's old Balaam on the donkey headed to get it. And God trying to warn him. God trying to warn him. And in spite of all of that, you ever read where Moses, the Lord sought to kill him? That's in your Bible. Moses. Two-tablet, Ten Commandment, Moses. And God came to, God came to kill him. Oh, boy. The only thing that saved him was the truth. The only thing that saved him was doing the word of the Lord that he had been neglecting to do. Oh, yeah. And old Balaam was on his way to trouble. And the Bible said the dumb ass, and that's Bible word, forbade or forbidden. The madness of the prophet. He had gone mad. Not everybody is in the spirit. Not everybody is doing it the right way. But because it's all throughout the earth now, people think they can do the, the American way. We're shopping everywhere. Somebody told one of our young people the other day that uh, was supposed to have Bible study and, and said, um, we can't do it at this time said, uh, maybe, maybe another day. And so the person said, well, you know, we have church on Sunday. said, so we'll see you Sunday and we'll set a new date, a new day and time. And the person said, um, got real quiet, very quiet. You there? Very quiet. And so the voice in the background had been talking, got on the phone. and said, well, you know, we, we're not wanting to commit to the church. We, we shopping around. Got my sharpness. I'm going to find out which church, in other words, is going to give me the most. Now, that's not spiritual, the most Holy Ghost, the most word of the Lord, you know, the good meat and potatoes, the balanced diet. Oh, no. Who's going to give me, you know, the natural thing? I'm going to see who's going to. Well, you know, it's like, you know, you want to get you over there? Well, I'll tell you what, you come, you come, come here. You come be with me. I'll tell you what, bro. I got a position with junior deacons. <laughs> and and you can have your pick. Yeah. 
course, that don't happen around here, does it? No, not, not in Belgrade. No, no. Must be South Bay, right? Mm-hmm. Go up there in Bohokie, the Tri-City area. They don't do anything like that now, do they? No. Yeah. Then there was the woman that told us you had to, um, or the, the wife and the husband got divorced, and, and the husband said that he was a deacon, and uh, you'll love this. To be a deacon, he had to pay $80 a month to be a deacon. I must be missing something. Sounds like a great fundraiser. Make everybody a deacon. Wow. Cha-ching, 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 cha-ching. Oh, yeah. Hey, what do you, what do you say we do it by the book? Well, you say we stay with chapter and verse. And we don't run after the wages of unrighteousness. And we don't teach people to stumble. And we don't teach them the little, the little tricks. And the little, uh, you know, the Bible did talk about you take under you the whole armor of God that you might be able to withstand the wiles of the devil. That's the tricks. He's a wily fox. Didn't Jesus say, you go tell that fox? Yeah. Wily fox. He said, I'm going to do something today and I'm going to do something tomorrow. And boy, the third day, I'm coming out perfect. So you get ready. Go tell that fox. Amen. Well, there's some very wily, tricky mannerisms and ways that people have that they think they can find loopholes and they get around. But let me tell you, what goes around will come around. And what gets done will get judged. And people will be accountable. That's what people often run from, by the way, is accountability. They don't want to be under authority where they have to give an answer. You know, did you ever read the Bible that said, be ready always to give an answer? Of the, for the hope that lieth within you? Be always ready. Well, not only be ready to give an answer about, about the, the truth, about Acts 2.38, John 3.5, that's right. But not only that, you've got to be ready to give an answer on other things in your life. You've got to be accountable. I was preaching a, for a preacher one time many years ago, back in the, my early days. And in another state, and I, uh, every time I was, every time I would say something, that guy out in the congregation, he was, Amen. He was just loud, you know, and, and it was just, it didn't have that certain sound, you know. It had that off-key thing. Sound like Marvin after he had a burrito. Doing the ping thing, and uh, I just kept preaching. All of a sudden, you know, the Holy Ghost just, you're preaching. And came right across that pulpit about giving you tithing. Everybody erupted except that one guy. He didn't say anything. He just, oh. he didn't say anything. Well, that happened to be the thing, you know, with him. It's like the guy I read about in the newspaper the other day that he didn't, uh, boy, I'm going long, aren't I? Um, he, uh, <laughs> he wrote in. And, of course, they have this guy that writes in the paper who doesn't mean, believe anything. You know that. And he, uh, he, said, um, he said that uh, this guy wrote in and he, he, said, he, he said, I'm a Christian. He said, but I can't find a church to tell me what I want. He said, and he started naming denominations. And it was in the article. And I've been to this, and I've been to that, and I've been to the other. And he said, not none of them. And you know what his gripe was? He didn't like that there's a Savior. He didn't like that. 
Can I find a Christian church that doesn't preach Savior? Yeah, you can, actually, because you just have to find you one, that, and that's the majority of them, that don't preach the Bible. And then you'll find one among them that won't preach Savior. They got them that don't preach blood. They got them that don't preach. They had a young man, uh, I just sent him out, Bernard, where he works, and the, and the, the boss's son. And, uh, of course, every time I see him, he's got a different shape to his beard and got a bigger thing in the cheek, and uh, but he but he's, he's he's saved. He goes to this church and and so he told Bernard. He said, "I'm getting baptized. I'm getting baptized." So Bernard said, "Okay." He said, um, "Make sure you do it in the name of Jesus Christ." And he opened the Bible and he showed him. He said, "Here it is." He said, "You read that?" He said, "Yeah, I see that." Okay, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Okay, I see that. Okay. They came back from when he got baptized. Bernard said, so? You got baptized? He said, yeah. He said, did you get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ? He said, nope. He baptized me in the name of Father, Son, Holy Ghost. You can find him. You can find him. You can find him to tell you anything you want and let you do anything you want and make you feel good about it. Okay? But if you keep reading about Balaam, you'll find out that he came to a very bad end. You will read about people that do not come to that happy ending. They do not come to what should be an expected ending because they're not expecting anything. Evidently, they've been told it's okay all their lives whenever they did whatever they wanted to do. And you know what that shapes? That shapes a criminal mind. That shapes a mind that is not accountable, that nobody can tell them no, and they, they respond to it the right way. It's how you respond. Let's take quickly the king who, uh, Jehoiakim of the Old Testament, uh, Jeremiah 36, and that when uh, the, the, the word of the Lord was brought to him, and he had one of his minions read it for him, he got mad. Just a little bit of it, and he got mad. And he took a penknife. I had to actually check that. Did it say penknife? It said penknife. And he cut that up. And then in the hearth was a fire. And he threw it in there and tried to destroy it. Well, Jeremiah, he should have been real happy about that. He could have said, burn all my everything, my hard labor, my hard work. And the Lord said, it's all right. Come on over here. I'm going to give it to you again. He said, you're going to get to be with me again. You're going to get to hear me again. I'm going to give you another blessing. We're going to write this out again. You're not going to rub out, burn out, cut up with any success the word of the Lord. It's like a preacher didn't told me not told me not too long ago that he was not going to be in submission and he was not going to do as a senior pastor said and uh, and I said and what are you going to do about Hebrews 13 and 7? He said I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it. But I promise you that same preacher is going to want you to obey. He's going to tell his congregation they better do thus and so. And isn't that Romans? When, you, when you're telling somebody that it's wrong to do something and then you go do it. Thou shalt not steal while you're stealing. <laughs> Thou shalt not disobey while you're being disobedient. Oh, friend. Give me the book. Come on, church family. Give me the book. I can take it. Give me the book. Here I am, Lord. 
you can slap the snot out of me, but I'm going to be on the floor looking for the crumbs. I'm taking it. I'm taking it. I want the word of the Lord. You hear me? Give me the book. Give the messenger the book and give the, let me get the book from him. Let me take it. Let me get it. Let me get involved with it. Let me interact with it. I want to be saved. We must be saved. Come on and lift your hearts with your hands. And let us love the Lord together. Amen and amen and amen. Come on now. This isn't patty cake. This isn't playing church like you play house when you're some little kid. Come on now. This is sure enough grown up stuff. We're teaching young men and young women to be responsible citizens of heaven. That's what you become when you're born again. A citizen of heaven. You get your papers. You're not going to have to worry about, am I going to be some kind of person that doesn't have the papers or the wedding garment? You get born again of water and the Spirit, and you desire the sincere milk of the Word, and you grow in grace and knowledge too. You get strong meat because you're exercising your spiritual senses because you're involved and you're in submission and in subjection and your you know godliness with contentment is great gain let me just be a doorkeeper I can be content just to know that I've got the Holy Ghost and my sins are washed away and I'm going to heaven come on and lift your hearts with your hands Jesus name you want to respond to the word of the Lord and you want to start a revival first in your heart and then we'll see where it spreads to. You don't want to respond to the word of God with a penknife and a fire. Hear me now. You want to have a favorable response. Zacchaeus got down off of that tree. He wanted to see Jesus Christ. He saw him above the crowd. Get rid of the crowd. Get rid of your friends. Get rid of this one and that one and the other one that's influencing you and partaking in their sin, their attitude, their nastiness. Some of them don't have the Holy Ghost and you're listening to them. What's wrong with you? Jesus Come on now. <laughs> you tell yourself, I'm going to do like Zacchaeus. I'm coming down out of here and I'm making haste. I'm not going to drag around about getting baptized in Jesus' name and put it off for another day or another month or whatever. I'm not going to put off getting the Holy Ghost. I'm absolutely not going to classify myself with the foolish and the cry is going to come whether for the church or me individually to go and I'm not ready. Nothing's ready. I want to be prepared and it starts with you repenting. The word of the Lord will tell you to repent. It'll tell you that's not right. You men hear me. It's not right. One other woman in your life, much less hundreds of other women in your life. That's not right. You get you a wife, friend, and that's it. You be faithful to that wife. My wife said the other day, she said, I'd like to stand up and tell everybody, you've never hit me and you've never cheated on me. Amen. Well, everybody said hallelujah. hallelujah. Thank, Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. And on top of that, I brag on her cooking. Got good reason to do that. Give God a big hand. Come on. Amen. Come on now. Amen. You get your mind on the Word of God. You get in the church. You get into this chapter and verse. And you get in it for real. And you, you reject things and out of hand. And you push things away. And, and let me tell you, when you see a snake, I hope you know what kind it is. And get you a great big club and a sword of the Word of the Lord. And give that devil a whooping. Amen. <laughs> Just give him a first class whipping in the Holy Ghost. 
Amen and amen. amen. You get your mind on chapter and verse. You get your mind on the Spirit of the Lord. And you get yourself in a position to where you realize, I can be lost. The prodigal, he was lost. He was dead and lost. And the reason they had a big old party is because he came to himself. The word of the Lord got to him. He came to himself and said, I have sinned. Wasn't slipping around about it, trying to make excuses and rationalize it. Well, ain't, ain't nothing wrong with that. Besides, all that kind of junk, you know. Nope, he faced up to it and said, okay, it was me. I did it wrong. That's it. I've sinned. He said, I'm going back to the right thing. When he got back to the right thing, well, then it was cause for celebration, wasn't it? Amen. Amen. And everybody said, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And everybody said, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love my God, and I love his word, and I definitely want to do it his way. Amen. His way is the right way. Amen. I just want to get in line with that. I want to get in line and with chapter and verse and the word of the Lord, and I hope you do too. Amen. And it starts with you repenting because the Bible teaches it, and you're trying to believe it. And then you get baptized in Jesus' name, and then you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And you'll be a part of the body of Christ, and then you'll, we'll give you a nice, nice great, big bottle of the Word of the Lord, the sincere milk of the Word of the Lord. And everybody said amen. Amen. And everybody said hallelujah. Hallelujah. So what about it? You think you can take it, or you want the bottle of Pepsi? Hmm? Get that good word of the Lord. It's got every nutriment in it that you need. Everything. It's going to give you. And God was honest about it up front. He said it's going to be sweet, but it's going to be bitter. He's going to tell you right up front. Everybody said amen. amen. Let's give God a big hand again. Let's worship the Lord here. Come on. You are the awesome, mighty one. Your enemies, they better run now. They are no match, no comparison. Got on the cross to overcome you. Take this thing out of death that day. Conquering.